Tell me, though, what's his technique? That last strike, it seems invincible. Welcome to a special edition of the Immortal Iron Fist Sons of the Dragon podcast, or whatever we're calling it this week. <laughs> Daughters of the Dragon, I think. Yes, it's the, uh... Daughters of the Dragon this week. Uh, we are going to be covering Marvel Magazine Group Bizarre Adventures number 25 with the Daughters of a Dragon story published in ni- March of 1981. And it becomes quite apparent looking through this issue that there's no comic code. Nope. This is well and above outside the comic code. We have swearing. We have... uh, No full-on nudity, but a whole lot of uh, nipple impressions through shirts. Yes. And and some underwear. Colleen in underwear, I think. Yes. And skimpy bathing suits. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, the cover is very interesting. Um, Paul Glacey doing the artwork of the cover. What would you actually say of Colleen Wing here? Lonnie Anderson? Not Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. The hair's yeah. not big enough for Farrah Fawcett. No, definitely not. Oh, yeah, Lonnie Anderson would be pretty good at approximation. I quite, I quite like her. I think she's good. Fucking good, Colleen. And Misty, kind of Pam Greer. Yeah, for sure. But we also have Lady Damon or Demon in between them, holding a deck of cards. I really don't yeah. know who that character is. I actually didn't I don't read know that a lot story. about her. I didn't read that one though. And Black Widow down at the bottom. Uh, fantastic artwork through the entire book. Black and white magazine. I really liked it. I was very surprised because I was like, oh, black and white, it's going to be weird. Um, I loved the artwork. I, I, like, I, I read the Black Widow one and I read the Colleen and Misty one um, just on a time basis. And uh, the Black Widow one's really cool as well. And the art's just beautiful. We have a guest appearance by Michael Caine and Humphrey Bogart in the Black Widow story. <laughs> Young Michael Caine. Very young Michael yeah, Caine. Youngish Mahara from Bogar as well. And uh, the Daughters of the Dragon story is written by Chris Claremont, a name we all know. Art by Marshall Rogers and Bob McLeod. Uh, I'm going to guess they do inking, coloring, and lettering also because no one that I saw is listed under that. No, so, yeah, they Unless not. it was on the front page, which it is not. They're not very good at telling you who does what, so... A lot of interesting ads in this magazine, and uh, an interesting letter page. Yes. Um, on the back cover, there actually is an advertisement for Hembeck Mania Sweeps Comics Fandom. Um, Rebecca is currently working on a complete appearance list for Iron Fist that we hope to publish somewhere soon. And well, not soon. Let's not say soon. Well, 
Sometime. Sometime. Yeah. In the near future. In the near future. Fair enough. Within the next 20 years. And yeah. um, Iron Fist actually makes quite a few appearances in Fred Hembick books, which I have. <laughs> I'll Good. Let, I'll, let you, I'll let you know which ones they are. Good. But on to the actual story, which is a, uh, of course, with the names Daughters of the Dragon. This is a solo Nightwing restoration story starring Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Done in a very interesting story style. It's almost done um, how the earlier Iron Fist stories were done from Danny's point of view. But we start off with Colleen's point of view, remembering events as they took place in the past. Uh, the opening page is a spread of Colleen and Misty. Look like they're jumping down off of a balcony. Um, Colleen does not look like uh, uh, Lonnie Anderson, nor does Misty look like um, Pam Greer. They look more accustomed to the characterizations we've grown accustomed to in the Iron Fist issues. But they're apparently... dressed very sensibly, yes. I'd like to point out. In nice sweater and jeans and boots, or like a jumpsuit, I guess, for Colleen and like, yeah, kung fu yeah. slippers still. still kung, got the fu kung fu slippers, slippers. yeah. And uh, they're jumping down off of a balcony and being chased by what looks like a gang of people, and they're on the run. Uh, the gang members are yelling to get down there onto the street, cut them off. Misty's asking Colleen, how many do you think there are? And she's like, too many. They're like a wolf pack. Throwing fresh teams after us in relay to wear us down. And Colleen is uh, jumping over some stuff. Misty is also hurling some items, saying they're succeeding. And now we go to our first flashback. Says past slash Colleen. So this is through Colleen's eyes. Uh, they were contacted by Dominic Fiera, who apparently is a cop friend. Obviously through Misty, being ex-police force, to meet at the Columbus Circle subway station. He was waiting for us under a train. And you see his corpse is rather twisted up. His neck is clearly broken. His leg is going in the opposite direction it should be. And Misty Knight is saying, forget it, Cole, he's dead, obviously. And she's wearing another interesting baseball jacket with a yeah. large star on the back for this one. Uh, they, While waiting for the transit cops, Misty looks like she had spotted someone she knew. And we see Misty with a large grin on her face standing in the subway car. I never saw who it was. Too much confusion, too many people, too much to do. We made our statement. And they show Misty Knight speaking with police and return to our office, where Misty almost looks like she's daydreaming. She has a mug with an M on it. It's very cute. <laughs> and she's going, what do you think that was all about? Damned if I know think Dominic was onto something? I'm too tired to think, period, says Colin. Now, interesting logo. I do like that logo. Yeah, for I like it. I love the Nightwing Restorations logo. 
It's a bit of a bird in flight with some feathers out of place in a circle. Um, and as we see, which will come in handy later, we see in the doorway where we see the reverse logo of their office, we also see the reflection of Colleen looking at Misty. It had been a hard day, a hard week, and Dom wasn't that close a friend. His case, assuming that it even was a case, could keep till morning. And now we have Colleen out in the hallway. Again, through her eyes, we see Colleen's reflection off of a fire extinguisher in the hallway. And another black woman with braids and beads in her hair, kind of Bo Derek-ish from 10. There was a woman in the hall. I thought nothing of her. I should have. Now we go back to present, where they're still on the run. I shouldn't have left Misty alone. But had I stayed, could I have saved her or myself? No. So we have some interesting stuff must have apparently have happened. I've got them, yells one of the thugs as he comes flying through the air, arms outstretched like he's in a WWF match. And, uh... This is definitely Chris Claremont's writing. Chum, because, again, Wolverine before Wolverine. Actually, I think Wolverine was out now. Uh, you've got nothing. As Colleen's spinning roundhouse kicks this dude right in the face. Her move is effortless, deceptively casual. The power contained within her slim form as awesome in its, uh, is awesome, form as awesome in its own way as that of Misty's super strong bionic right arm. Colleen was trained as a samurai and is one of the finest martial arts in the world. Misty is an ex-cop and is no slouch in a fight herself. Now, is she a finest, one of the finest martial arts because of her training as a samurai? Or is she one of the finest in martial arts because she actually mind-melded with Danny and pretty much should have access to almost all of his training? Hmm. Hmm, interesting question. She said, I don't know. I've, I always thought mostly her training, actually. But you're right. Because uh, if you think about it, the actual samurai training... Wouldn't make her one of the best. It would just make her samurai trained. Right. Sam- it would make her one of the best in the West. No, I'm not saying samurais don't know martial arts. They do know martial arts, but it's a very small yeah. percentage of the martial art training in the world. It was very specific. It was a lot of sword play, which she's mm. not using right now. And I've also never seen a samurai do a spinning roundhouse. <laughs> and I've <laughs> and seen I've a lot of samurai films. Before, but I, I would buy the taking something from Danny in the mind melt. Now, she had, if she, no. had, she had done an arm bar or a throw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now Misty is commenting, we win battles, but what about the war? And this time, we're flashing back to Misty with her comment, everywhere I look, I see Angie's eyes. They've become a part of me. And now we have the woman with the Boderic hairstyle saying, Misty, Angie, Angie Freeman. So this is back at the office before this chase is going down. And again, we're setting up reflections and doorways. And now we see a reflection. Oh, in the foreground, we see the braided hair in 
part of Misty's arm, but in the reflection of the door, we have Misty hugging no one. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. We all know what that means. Yeah, we all know. So we've grown up together. I joined the force. She became a reporter. We stayed in touch. Then a few years ago, just before I lost my right arm, she dropped out of sight. And she's taking up. And she's taking off her shawl. Misty is pouring a drink. And again, we see Misty's reflection out in the bottle. I thought it was you in the station. It's good to see you, woman. I've been following your career. And I yours. You look well. You look great. And again, no comic code. Angie's a very well-endowed woman with basically nipples busting out in every shot of her shirt. Uh, wearing a full-length dress cut all the way up to her panty line. Um, very sexual looking. I read your book, Scary. Are you writing another one? Among other things. White wine on ice, right? Wrong. I don't drink anymore. It doesn't thrill me like it used to. She laughed. I laughed. We talked about old times, new times. Actually, I did most of the talking. Angie watched and listened and smiled. The wine made me sleepy. I didn't mind. I trusted Angie. With her, I felt warm and relaxed and safe. I remember her stroking my cheek, and then my memory stopped. And the dreams began. I ran naked beneath the moon. I hunted. I killed. It was horrible, yet magnificent. When the dream faded and I opened my eyes to a reality I suddenly hated. Morning. Colleen's waking her up. Ow, what's wrong? Sunlight. Oh, brother, that hurts. That partner is called a hangover. You must have had some party. Need a hand, you look pretty rocky. And this, again, is all through Misty's eyes this time. I was so weak I could barely stand, but... Damned if I was going to let Colleen know know that. I didn't feel hungover. I actually felt pretty good, just tired. Now we have Colleen in the, uh, Misty in the bathroom, rather, and she does still have a reflection because we see her in the mirror. What's that? A choker? It's gold and it isn't mine. It's not my style. It's way out of my price range. And where did this come from? I wasn't wearing it yesterday. No, Angie was. And she now has a six-ring choker around her neck with a wolf's head on it. Oh, God, what happened last night? What did I do? Try as I might, I could not remember. Save that every time I thought of Angie, I felt a surge of joy, of longing. that shook me more than I accepted those feelings as being perfectly normal. The medical examiner is called. This is Colleen now. We're wanted pronto. Doc Ronson wouldn't say why, but he sounded pretty upset. Wonderful, though. How about breakfast? After I've showered and changed, I'm starved. Back to the present. Colleen and Misty are hiding under somewhere which has large wooden supports. Do you think we lost them? I hope so. And they didn't, because three of them come whipping around the corner. Damn, take off, Cole. Leave these bozos to me. She scythes her right arm through the base of the water tower above them. Gravity does the rest. So she knocks out the supports of a giant wooden water tower, which are sometimes on top of 
New York buildings collecting rainwater and such to supply water for the buildings. It comes crashing down, washing the three out. I'd give anything to have my real arm back, but I've got to admit being part bionic has its uses. Nice to know you haven't lost your sense of humor. Yeah, she's scared, so am I. With good reason. Again, we shoot to the past through Colleen's eyes. This is your man. That's him, Dominic Fiera. Colleen, according to my autopsy, this man's been dead for ten days. Is this some kind of practical joke? It's in very poor taste. Then we have a random female with pigtails, for some unknown reason, because it's not a good hairstyle for her. Dr. Rogan's fingerprints identify this course as Detective Third Grade Dominic Fiera, NYPD. According to his captain, he's made all his recent duty roll calls, including last night. How does a man 10 days dead show up for work? We weren't sure we wanted to know, but we were Determined to find out, a homicide team beat us to Dom's Upper West Side apartment. We compare notes. Dom was researching the crime rates from his neighborhood. Ten years ago, they were pretty high. Then they dropped to near Zilch. Been that way ever since. Misty found something. And we see Misty back in her baseball jersey, holding something in her hand. Which she immediately stuffed into her pocket. As they show her stuffing it into her left Hmm, the identical portrait looked familiar? I'm not sure. Try Misty. Again, this is through Colleen's eyes. <coughs> the portrait is of Misty's friend, Angie. Misty lies and says, no, I don't know her, as she touches her necklace. I'd seen the woman outside the office last night. I played dumb to test Misty. She failed. She lied. Why? Back to the present. Again, the two taking a rather large leap off of another building. We'll break for Broadway. They won't try for us in a crowd. We can call the cops or grab a cab or subway out of here. So what if we get out of here? Where do we run? Where do we hide? Back into the past now. Angie. No, I don't know her. This is crazy. I want to tell Cole the truth. I started to, but I couldn't. Masking my moves from the others, I reach into my pocket for what I found in Fierre's bureau. A gold bracelet with a wolf's head identical to one on my choker. Coincidence? Not likely. Fierre knew Angie. Excuse me. Now we have two people in the hallway. This desk is littered with her old newspaper stories, and the bracelet means she probably knew him. Were they lovers? She was at Columbus Circle when he died. She have killed him. God, I hope not. And what if she did? Why? Now we go back to the two people who are in the hallway. We're the Burks. We live next door. What's all the commotion? The woman's choker. A gold wolf's head. And not only is the woman's choker a gold wolf's head, the guy also has multiple necklaces on and also sports a wolf head. While Colleen spoke to the husband, the wife never took her eyes off me. Her smile was predatory. It reminded me of Angie. I shivered partially. Partial fear, partial anticipation, but of what? I told Colleen I wasn't feeling well. I was going home to get some rest. She believed me. I never lied to her before. It hurt. I didn't go home. Instead, I headed for the news. The city editor owed Nightwing some favors. I pulled Angie's files from the morgue 
and and helped me wade through them. Now, this is what I don't understand. Why is she pulling Angie's files from the morgue? Unless that's a newspaper term for older Oh, I didn't articles. even notice that. You're right. Yeah, that seems... I think that might be a mistake. Or it's what I think it is. It's the, or, the dead yeah. files, you know, stuff that's not current. Yeah, maybe. Just before she quit, Angie was investigating a series of bizarre murders on the Upper West Side. The victims were all junkies, pushers, muggers, and rapists. That kind. She was trying to connect them to a string of unsolved slayings in Europe. Because the victims were all criminals, no one concentrated effort was made to find the killer. This is, a, this is misty thinking. Uh, indeed, many people hoped he'd keep up the good work. The murders all took place at night. The killer was immensely strong, virtually invulnerable, and although all the victims suffered nearly total loss of blood, very little was ever found at the scene of the crime. What am I thinking? Same thing Angie's, Angie did, I'll bet, and I'm coming to the same conclusion. She disappeared, and when she surfaced, she quit her job and stopped her series. Did she discover the truth? And if she did, what did it cost her? What will it cost me? My hands tremble as I lift the choker, looking for fang marks. And feeling like a fool when I find nothing. But, believed as I, but relieved as I felt inside, I felt infinitely better when I stepped into the afternoon sunlight to find Angie standing on the sub sidewalk, hailing a cab. Angie! Misty, hi. Going my way? Can you drop me off at the office? No problem. Hop in. You'd have, you have no idea how glad I am to see you. And I, you. I had a wonderful time with you last night. Oh, Angie, I'm not like that, I mean. I know, but you will be. What? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, darling, what brings you to the old stomping grounds? And now we have a very interesting panel here. We have Misty's hand up as she's talking with her hand, covering Angie's face in the panel, saying, a case I was researching of your old stories, and along the way, Christ, even thinking about this is embarrassing. This Looney Tune notion popped into my head that you were a, in the next panel, her hand is lower, and she says, vampire, and Angie has full-blown vampire teeth in her mouth. I lunged for the door. I never made it. I fought. It was a futile effort. Your eyes met, and my struggles ceased, and then her teeth found my neck, and she drank my blood. I wanted it. Back to present. No. I cannot deny it any longer. Angie's become a part of me. And in Misty's shadow, we actually see Angie's eyes. She forged a bond between us, some kind of psychic link. I can feel her presence. Those damn beautiful eyes of hers watching me. Colleen yells out, ambush, they're amateurs. And we have three guys jumping out of the shadows as Misty slugs one dead in the face. Maybe Cole, but they keep coming as they're fighting them off. Misty's thinking, where's Angie? Why isn't she leading this chase? Colleen announces, here comes reinforcements, eager little sods, aren't they? We've gone as far as we can across the rooftops, Misty. Head for the street. And as they climb down a fire escape ladder... I can't figure it. They weren't following us that closely. We should have lost them a couple times at least. And Misty tells her, we can't lose them, Cole. I can't lose them. Angie bit me. I'm infected. She and I are bound together. She sees what I see. 
knows what I know. I can't escape. You can. Forget it. We're partners. I won't leave you. You must. If we stay together, we'll die together. Or worse. This emergency subway leads to... This emergency stairway leads to the subway. As she rips open the grate on the sidewalk floor. You'll have a better chance down there in the open. Go, please, run, live. Avenge me. (laughs) I'll hold them here as long as I can. I, I know, Misty. She doesn't look back. She disappears into the darkness, forcing all thoughts of her friend from her mind. She knows Misty is right, but the pain of leaving her, losing her friend, is almost unbearable. For the moment, though, she denies her grief. There's a station, good. And she's like, she's crouched under the lower lip as the subway train's coming and there's people above her on the station. No one should see me under this platform overhang. My timing couldn't have been better. Here comes a train. When it stops, I'll slide underneath it, grab hold of the undercarriage, and hold on for dear life. The reason she did that is the people on the subway station were actually looking for her also. Here they're communicating as the train leaves the station. Where is she? Send a team after the train. If she's aboard, she's hiding here. If she's not aboard, she'll be hiding nearby. We'll find her. But though they look hard, they don't. No show Colleen holding on to the undercarriage of the subway as it's going. I had tailed Misty to the news, waiting for her, saw her meet the woman from the identikit, her friend. Follow that cab. We headed up to the west side. I wonder if I was making a mistake after all. Misty's private life had been her own concern with her friend's involvement in Fiera's death was circumstantial at best. The cab filled with mist, and I thought it was smoke from the driver's cigar. It wasn't. Have Angie now. <coughs> Full vampire teeth. Say nothing, do nothing, or I'll snap your neck. The driver will not help you. He is under my hypnotic control. I'm Angie Freeman, and you must be Colleen Wing. Misty speaks highly of you. I'm looking forward to knowing you, as I've come to know her. You look surprised to see me. So was she, poor darling. Vampires can survive in the sunlight, provided they walk on a layer of their native earth. Mine is in the soles of my boots. Her grip tightened, and I grayed out. I've never heard this dirt thing in my life of all the vampire stories I've ever read. I just know about um, the dirt in the coffin. Yeah, yeah, I've, the dirt in the coffin's the, the most I've heard. So they're, like, they're taking it and just tweaking it a bit to let her walk around, I guess. Right now, we have two people in odd outfits, almost looking like karate geese, carrying an unconscious Misty off as Angie is pointing them in the direction, wearing some impressive hooker boots. I awoke in a garage. Misty was seemingly unconscious. Her fair Her fair pale, her neck marked with a thin trail of blood where the vampire had bitten her. I hadn't been fanged yet. I feigned in consciousness as they were, as we were carried into a private elevator. As the door closed, I pitched forward, throwing my escort off balance. Before he could recover, and before they knew what was happening, I struck without mercy. And then we have four panels here of close-ups of the blows she's landing on these four schmucks. Misty had come round by that time we reached the top floor. She was woozy, terribly weak. She could travel, but I figured that was about all. I didn't mind. I planned on handling most of our opposition by myself anyways. But Misty surprised me. She surprised our foes, too. Misty, the door. We can't let them hold us here. 
If Angie gets her hands on us again, way ahead of you, partner. One exit coming up. I thought I'd seen Misty in every conceivable mood. Now, they're in a floor, and it looks like Misty's chucking somebody either through a wall or pulling them through a wall or throwing them through a wall. I don't it exactly does, know yeah. what's going a on. A window? No. It looks like a wall. Yeah. But in the house, she fought with a ruthless, almost cruel ferocity that unnerved me. As much as it did her, she grinned as we went over the wall, something I'd never seen her do before. At that moment, for that moment, she, she looked like Angie Freeman. Present, 207th Street Station of the number one route Broadway local in Upper Manhattan. Ah, my back. I think I've shredded every muscle in my body. We see the train, the subway car still rolling on, but Colleen is now laying in the middle of the tracks. No sign of Angie's human wolf pack. I beat the bastards. I got away. And this... And as soon as I'm ready, I'm going back. After hobbling up the hill to her Seaman Avenue apartment, I'm a mess. Here we have Miss Colleen in nothing but a pair of panties from the back, grabbing her swords, and it looks like a fresh outfit. But the damage is all superficial. It won't impair my ability to fight. Normally, I'd wear something loose for ease of movement. But against Angie, I'll need... The functional equivalent of body armor and weapons capable of killing the undead, and I'll need them fast. Now we are actually back to Dominic Fiera's apartment building. An hour or so later, at the Burks. The Burks were the neighbors across the hall. Lover, you will kindly get your ass in gear. The invitation ceremony, initiation ceremony, will begin soon, and we absolutely cannot afford to be late. As she's opening the door. Colleen is dressed in leather battle gear, hair tied up, swords on the back and front, shurikens, a.k.a. throwing stars, hanging from her belt. Good evening, Miss Burke. I'm looking for my partner, and you're going to tell me where she is. And now giant goddamn word wobbles. Mm. All evening, the faithful have been gathering in the catacombs beneath Angie's townhouse. Rich, poor, young, old, all sexes, all races. Some come eagerly, some come some reluctantly, some with no feeling whatsoever. Viewing tonight's ceremony as just another necessary civic event, in a sense that's precisely what it is. Ten years ago, these good people made a pact with the devil. Angie Freeman's brother Tom, then stationed in Europe, had met and befriended a vampire. He offered the creature a bargain, a safe haven in New York, if he would clear the neighborhood of criminals and keep it that way. The vampire agreed with a single provice, provoso, proviso, how do you say that? Proviso. Proviso. Every five years, one of the community he protected would join him as a fellow vampire. Angie was the first sacrifice. Since then, the streets have been safe. The local crime rate cut to zero. The people couldn't be happier. This whole thing that I just read, we will discuss after the end of the story. Mm. Because this ties into some other stuff that never happened. Mm. Now, five more years have passed, and although the original vampire has since been destroyed in a fire... Okay, maybe it doesn't tie in. <laughs> <laughs> the agreement is still in force. 
This evening, Misty Knight will die, her blood drained by her best childhood friend, and in three days she will rise again as a vampire. She can hardly wait. <laughs> we have Angie appearing like a rock star in a puff of smoke as Colleen is still somewhat unconscious on some weird chair-looking altar. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, saints and sinners. We were all assembled and let the festivities begin. Angie, no, says Misty. Ah, uh, Misty, still you resist. There's nothing to fear. A little pain, a little sleep, followed by an eternity of joy. We'll be together, you and I, forever. And you see a large screaming mouth in the next panel with no fangs, yelling, Misty! Who? Hey! This throwing star passes in between two of their heads, sticking in the altar. Colleen, says Misty. Ah, oh, gills one of the recipients. Which, to be completely honest, I think this is, he's not even attacking it. This is a shot completely mm-hmm. in the back. As another throwing star implants it in between the shoulder blades of a guy watching Maybe it's just because of the horrible bow tie. I don't know. The shurikens are silver-coated, which makes their touch deadly to vampires. Angie's unhuman speed saves her from Colleen's throwing star. Others in the crowded chamber aren't quite so lucky. The odds against Colleen Wing are staggering. Better than two score to one. But Colleen is a samurai. This is a great panel of Colleen drawing her sword with one hand, punching two people in the face with her other hand, and kicking someone else in the face with a foot. The first guy is slumped over with a shuriken in his back. Facing an untrained mob, the battle's outcome is never truly in doubt. Indeed, it soon will become a massacre. Eyes alight with fury, Angie watches her people fall, wounded, maimed, and dying. But she does not interfere. She has more important things to do, and she's, again, a ta- a- Putting her attention onto yeah. Misty. Misty, thinks Col- Colleen. Angie's using the crowd as cannon fodder. They're keeping me busy while she fangs Misty, and there's too many people between me and the Dios or Dios. I'll never reach it in time. Fortunately, I don't really have to. It's a difficult throw. It's Colleen wings one of her swords. Colleen would have preferred to hurl her silver-coated short sword through the vampire's heart, but the mob around her blocked her aim. Instead, she settles for pinning Angie's arm to the back of the altar. Right through the forearm, right to the altar, Angie's screaming. Angie shrieks in agony, the silver preventing her from even touching the sword with her good hand, much less pull it free. On your feet, partner. Let's roll while we got the ugh. With a casual swipe of her bionic arm, Misty stuns Colleen near senseless and hauls her up onto the Dios. You have defiled the mistress, defiled this most sacred rite. You will pay for that, Colleen, in blood. Misty, don't, I beg you. Misty laughs. Her eyes burn deep into Colleen's soul. And now we see Misty is also sporting a set of fangs. Resistance faced, replaced by anticipation. That's the spirit, babe. Waster, do it, Misty, do it, shouts the crowd. No. And we see that Misty still isn't a complete vampire because the brace, metal brace around Colleen's neck, probably to prevent her from being bitten by a vampire, is reflecting her. There's a terrible cry of rage and hatred and grief from a personal innocence lost, perhaps never to be gained. Misty unthinkably grabs for the nearest weapon at hand and leaps into the crowd. She pulls the silver sword from Angie's wrist, 
Misty broke my control over her. I didn't think it was possible. Where Misty and I are concerned, vampire, nothing, anything is possible. Colleen swings at her with her other sword. Your katana, more accursed silver. You had your shot at me, Colleen Wing, and you missed. You will not get another. Your puny weapons will not save you anymore. Then the pathetic silver choker will keep me from draining your life's blood. Your neck may be protected, but not the rest of you. She throws a punch, but Colleen rolls out of the way. I'll need all my strength and speed, my ability, my intelligence. You trained me to be the best grandfather. Here's where I prove myself worthy. Angie jumps down from the altar at Colleen. Colleen has her sword prepared. Colleen responds with an awesome display of power and grace and matches a skill that would have easily slain an army of human foes. The vampire simply changes shape <coughs> to that of a wolf and lashes out with speed no living being could hope to equal. The wolf is now attacking Colleen, but then again shapeshifts back to Angie's true form and punches Colleen dead in the face, sending her flying. The duel is almost over as soon as it's begun. You've caused me pain, little one, and I would dearly like to repay you in kind, say, by grinding your bones to powder slowly. But I have a better idea as she's standing over Colleen's limp body. When next you awake, when next you wake, Colleen, you will be a child of the night, as I am, as Misty will be, and you will live only for the hunt, the kill, the blood. Let her alone, yells Misty. How considerate, darling. Thank you for saving me. The bother of tracking you down. Please, Angie, let Colleen go. I won't fight you anymore. I'll be yours, body and soul. Why, Misty, you speak as if you had a choice. I've drunk your blood. Your flesh is already mine. Now I shall bind your soul. Behold my blood and taste it. And she takes one of her fingernails and drags it across her breast, causing it to bleed. No, says Misty, again bearing her fangs. I have feasted well tonight. This is hot, rich with life. No! Feel the joy, the beauty, the sweet silence of eternity. You want it, do you not? Yes, please, as Colleen's going for the oozing blood from her breast. Drink deep, my darling. Join me. Colleen now stirs at their feet. We're not beaten yet, Angie. My sword's slightly out of reach, but I'll have to make do with what's at hand. A hair spike is a treasured heirloom forged in the purest silver. She stuffs it deep into Angie's calf. Angie responds as she'd just been doused with acid. Bitch, I'll have your heart for that. Colleen's desperate improvision does the trick. It shatters Angie's hypnotic hold over Misty. You'll have nothing, as Misty cold cocks her with her robotic right. Sending her flying back past both of them, I loved... I love you as a friend, Angie. I can believe you. I can't believe you're willingly become what you are. Misty's double punch with full force, bionic arm behind them, and shattered steel. Angie is merely stunned. Now, though, it's Misty and Colleen who move with blinding speed, as if almost choreographed precision, each complementing other's action. We have Colleen, or Misty, grabbing what looks like a broken piece of a hazard sign. Colleen's diving for them. Or Angie's diving for them. Colleen's grabbing her sword. But however, the nightmare began, Angie. Here and now, it ends. As she hurls the piece of wood towards and Angie, and Colleen readies her sword. 
piece of wood stuffs right between her bosoms, going clean through her. Misty, thank God. Thank you, says Angie. And Colleen follows through, beheading her with one quick swipe. Yes, Colleen just cut her head clean off, and it bouncing off the floor. And again, Angie just thanked her for doing this. She's dead, truly dead. Wherever her soul is, I hope it's at peace. She deserved that much, at least. My God, says Colleen. <laughs> My God. And now we have the angry city folk. Damn you, both of you. What have you done? You killed her. You killed Angie. Who's going to protect the neighborhood? Who's going to keep our homes and families safe? Butchers. For what you've done to us, you don't deserve to live. The natives are restless. Can we take them? I can barely stand, but I'll be damned if I'm going to let these bastards know it. You good people want our lives? They're yours for the taking. If anyone cares to try, no one does. Now, epilogue, 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 however you want to pronounce that. They're at the beach. Time, it said, heals all wounds. A month and 2,000 miles separate Misty and Colleen from the west side cellar. Cellar. As in basement. (laughs) Not someone on eBay selling crap. No one attempts to stop them as they left. By morning, they were on their way south to Cutlass Bay on the Caribbean resort island of St. Amido. They've been here ever since, remembering and recovering. How are you feeling this morning, lazy bones? Sinfully delicious and wonderfully alive. Funny, I've wanted to hate those people, but I can't. If anything, I pity them. They're so scared, Cole, willing to pay any price for protection. I know vampires are merely a means to an end. Lifeguard dogs, like guard dogs or guns. All they saw, all they wanted to see was the immediate practical result and never considered the moral cost. It didn't matter to them that our souls would have been damned as Angie's had already been. It's hard to think of souls when you're facing a mugger or a rapist. I love this place, you know. I feel at peace here. I kind of hate to go back. We don't have to. Our rep's good enough to bring a steady work wherever we are. New York's my home, Colleen. Running, relocating Nightwing would be a tactic, a tax to site? Tacit. A tacit admission. Never seen that word before in my life. That their way was the right one. That something like a vampire is their only protection because no one else is capable or willing to do the job. I can't. I won't give them that victory. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Oh, pardon me. I skipped the word bubble. Misty, during the fight, you nearly fanged me. Why didn't you? I wanted to, but I couldn't. Not to you, Cole. No matter what possessed me, not to you. Colleen understands for them, for the moment, all is right in the world. The end. Hey, well done. So, very interesting. A different twist on the whole vampire thing. Now, what what I wanted to bring up is... Now, I'm horrible with names, remembering names. Are you far enough along in the Power Man and Iron Fist readings that you have done that a African-American, suave-looking cop has shown up? Yes. 
All right. I think so. I've, I've read all of it before. It's just remembering. Are we talking Tyrone? Well, towards the very end, he catches fire, puts himself off, and puts himself out and rides away in a motorcycle like nothing. Yes. yes. <coughs> All right. Well, Tyrone was later in different stories revealed to be somebody else from he was indeed Danny's past. Yes. That was not who he was supposed to be. Oh, really? From the writer's mouth. Um, Interesting. They were trying to keep it a complete secret of what they had planned. (coughs) Sadly, because of book sales, it never came to fruition. And they even made some comments about, because the artist and the writer were trying to keep it secret, that they were having to erase corrections the inker was doing right because the inker was thinking that the artist just forgot to do stuff Mm -hmm. well it is does get a bit confusing some of this where we're getting into you know and uh but in a nutshell tyrone was supposed to be a vampire and some of the corrections they were having to make is the inker was putting reflections in like mirrors and stuff that weren't supposed to be there <clears throat> so I have to wonder with this little story and the fact that we saw Tyrone catch on fire but put himself out, mm-hmm. was he this original vampire? And that the whole, he died in a fire, he didn't actually die, he just left. It'd be interesting if that, yeah, it, it would be interesting if that, that they did tie that in. Because that's some of the bit where when I was first reading Powerman and Iron Fist, I got very confused with what was going on. Um, and I had to sort of go back and like read what other people were saying about it and go back and look at the comics again. Um, we're around the whole Tyrone thing. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, uh, that's where the whole Misty Danny thing gets a bit weird. Yep. Goes wonky. It goes wonky because <coughs> they, well. they both, they both kind of randomly start dating other people. And flirting with other people. Danny's also randomly replaced, but we won't get into that. <laughs> well, that's the bit where it gets really confusing. Um, or the bit where it's, it's not immediately obvious. Um, but yeah, so that there's some, everything starts to get a bit unsettled and off kilter and you get the red outfit and you get Misty with Tyrone and you're like, what are you on, Misty? You guys are meant to be together. Sorry, Connor. Um, <laughs> Kind of is clenching his fist right now, listening to this part. Damn it. They're meant, meant to be together. Um, yeah, so, but it would be interesting because, like, I mean, it's Chris Claremont writing this one. Yes. So, you know, he knows his stuff. He understands continuity. And it, it could be a nice little nod to it. I mean, this, you know, time-wise it would work. Like, for this being 1981. Mm-hmm. It would work quite, I mean, obviously, the, apart from the fact that neither Misty or Colleen here mentioned the boys at all. Um, but, um, <laughs> other than that, it kind of, it would, it would be a kind of nice little nod. It's like when we were talking earlier about, well, not earlier, off the podcast about Misty's origin and the, the, in, the sort of potential retcon insertion into the Spider-Man issue. 
It's like these are all things that kind of could work. So you can kind of take them either way you want. But that way, yeah, I think that's, I could I could read that one this one that way. Yep. So that was it. Thank you for joining us. Another forty five minutes of me reading. <laughs> but it's interesting because not many people have access to this. Um and I was telling you, even on Marvel Unlimited, they don't have this story. They've only got the um, the Black Widow story in there. And they are really beautifully drawn. Mm-hmm. The artwork's fantastic. Um, I think this was reprinted in something. I don't know what. But other than that, you can track it down from eBay. Unfortunately, it's not cheap. Um, I mean, compared to its $1.25 price tag, I think with shipping it anywhere from twelve to twenty dollars, depending on the condition. Uh, but you, I would say there's a good chance they put it on Netflix. I mean, they've got this issue on Netflix, um, not on Netflix. I'm talking about Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a good chance they. I mean, it may also have been my Marvel Unlimited that cut it off after the Black Widow story. Yeah, it is so, odd that they would have it listed in only one third of the story. And this is the only Bizarre Adventures book they had on there. So there's there's a good chance that it will get onto Marvel Unlimited. I might actually email them and ask and see what I can find out about it. Because they're they're usually quite good at taking requests for what to put on there. But thanks, everyone, for joining us for this oddball issue. Um, Hopefully, Rebecca and I can do some more stranger one-offs and whatnot to uh, show you guys other stuff that delves into the world of Danny. But thanks for listening. Peace. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Iron Fist and all the characters in these comics are properties of Marvel and Disney. And any music or images we use belong to their respective copyright holders. And we do this for fun, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at sonsofthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us mail, comments, thoughts. Send us anything you want, really, even if it's not about Iron Fist. Um, and if you don't want it read it on the air, just mention that. Um, you can also reach us at Facebook, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast, Sons of the Dragon. Our Twitter, at Iron Fist Podcast. Our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Sons of the Dragon with hyphens where the spaces are. Our YouTube, Connor Carl, just search Iron Fist Podcast on YouTube and you'll find us real quick. And then there's our WordPress, Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast.wordpress.com. We are also on iTunes, feel free to rate us there. If you rate us less than five stars, well, just tell us what we're doing wrong and we'll try and improve that. And last but not least, we are on Podcast Garden in the literature section. And thanks to Thomas Tissot for the theme song at the start. And thanks.